Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Man, well, good morning. Uh, we are just so excited uh, that you're here. We're excited for a new semester. Uh, we were so excited uh, that we uh, just didn't even notice the rain, right? That's where we're all at, right? Oh, man, goodness. Well, congratulations on surviving Harvey so far. Uh, apparently, uh, the rain is going to continue to fall. Uh, who knows? There may be some coming on to you to, during the service. And if that happens, you just stand up and you just leave because that's God saying, get out. No, not really. That's, uh, you, uh, we are so glad you're here. We're so glad that you persevered the weather and the elements. Um, how many of us are here for the very first time? This is uh, the first time we've been to Grace. Oh my goodness. Oh, (laughs) wow. That, uh, legitimately shocks me. Hey, yeah, good job. You made it. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, man, we are so glad you're here for the very first time. Uh, we would love uh, for you to know that uh, this is not normal. Uh, we normally uh, have uh, clear skies and sunny paths and full chairs. But this was a good week, probably, because this is a good opportunity to kind of come in. Uh, and when it's a little bit smaller, a little bit more intimate, uh, and you can just get to know each other. It'll be super fun. Uh, we have a starting point for the semester, and it is right now. You see everything... Everything, uh, for maybe some of us, we're starting college right now. Uh, for some of us, we're just starting a new year. We're, we're back. We've been around. But everything has a starting point, right? Uh, Texas A&M uh, had a starting point in 1876. Did you know that? Dang straight. Uh, and that was a good year, I guess. Uh, you had a starting point, right? Uh, most of you had a starting point sometime between like 1993 and 1999, right? That was kind of their starting point. Some of you were even started on purpose, uh, which was really great during that time period. Uh, you all maybe uh, have a starting point that I know that the class of 2021 uh, has a starting point right now in 2017. Okay, good. They all graduated. They left. Uh, that's good. They were supposed to. Uh, but personally, for me, my A&M starting point was in 2006. All right. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you, when I started in 2006, uh, I had the distinction, the honor of being a townie. Okay, that was my distinction. I grew up in College Station. Uh, and so because of that, I was a townie. Any other, do we have any townies that are here at a There you are. Good for you, Connor. Like, yeah, you're here, and you're loud, and you're proud, and people ask you for directions. That's part of being a townie, okay? So when I started my freshman year, uh, I was the go-to guy when people needed directions, because this was before the age of smartphones, Google Maps, any of that. And so, unfortunately, I didn't really have a lot of experience giving directions to people that had come. Like, I could give directions to my friends that, like, grew up with me, but it was hard for me to give directions to people that had come from, from distant lands, like Houston and Dallas, like those, these, these foreign people coming to my land, they, they weren't, I wasn't on the same wavelength with them. So they would ask me things. They would ask like, hey, where's, where's Blockbusters? We had, a, we had those. Uh, and uh, they were like, hey, where's, where's that Blockbuster? And I would say things like, oh yeah, it's, it's over by Golden Corral. Uh, assuming that they somehow know we're Golden Corral, assuming, because I was assuming they were like 80, I guess, and just like had a Golden Corral radar in their heart and soul. Uh, but it was like, wor- like it, there was even worse times. To make it worse, a lot of times they would ask things like, oh, hey, like, where's Rosa's? And I would say things, I would legitimately say things like, oh, it's over by the new Blue Baker. Uh, because I just sort of was assuming, expecting them to know which Blue Baker was built slightly closer to the present day 
Then other Blue Baker. To this day, I still call the University of Blue Baker New Blue Baker. The one in South College Station is New New Blue Baker. That is what it is in my family. No joke. But the worst, the worst was when they would ask things like, hey, where's Target? And I would, I would reply with stuff like, oh, it's over where Hastings used to be. And so in hindsight, right, I was, I was like, I was assuming, I was expecting them to know, like be able to sense like the ghosts of Hastings past just to like find their way to the, where they wanted to go, right? To find their way to their destination. People needed, they needed more than just some vague description about where things used to be, right? They, they were already confused and I was sort of adding to the clutter. Like I was just further confusing them. They had a destination in mind and I was just giving them extra descriptions of the destination when what they needed was direction, right? Like they needed a path to follow to get them to where they wanted to be. And the, and the truth is that, I mean, we, we all think we have destinations in mind right now, right? At the start of anything new, we all have destinations in mind. There's engineers in this room and they want to find an internship, right? That is their destination. We have court, we have cadets in our room right now and they want to find a bed, right? That is like their end all be all. We have history majors in here, much like myself, maybe. Any history majors? Rob is one. Okay, so Rob and I uh, (laughs) are here. And I'll tell you, you know what Rob's destination is? Grad school. That's what he needs to find as a history major. Or or some of us, man, maybe maybe it's a GPA, maybe it's graduation, maybe it's just getting to Friday, maybe it's just getting home through the flood. Like, like for a lot of us, man, we have these destinations in mind. Maybe it's a social standing or a follower count, or it's a certain type of uh, position, a leadership position in a certain organization. Maybe it's just our destination. We want that boo to take under the century tree with us, right? Now more than ever, we're like, how much longer do we have? You got to... You got to find that person, bring them with you for all of eternity. Maybe we've got these destinations, what we think are destinations in mind, but I would actually argue that these destinations are actually just paths, that we think that these are paths that will actually take us to our ultimate desired destination. We don't just want to find a person or or a position or a paycheck. What we actually want to find in life is peace and purpose. Okay, that's what we're actually looking for. And there's been study after study on every generation, on the millennials, the new ones, Generation Z. There's all these studies, and they're always like trying to figure out, like, what do they want? Where are they going? They're asking questions about you, about you sitting in the room right now. And what they're finding time and time again is that across all generations, what people really ultimately want to find is peace and purpose. Right? We are surrounded by a culture that is confused trying to find the path to get them to that destination, right? Some people think peace is in a family dynamic, and so their purpose is to make that family, right? Some people think that peace is found in financial stability, and so their purpose is to do anything for that profit. Some people think that peace is found in uniformity, and so their purpose is to destroy anyone who's different from themselves. We live in a world where people are seeking after peace, seeking after a purpose, and they're going in really weird directions. They're choosing really broken paths. And that's why in Acts 17, Paul, we see a guy named Paul, and he's going to look at a culture much like our own. He's going to look at a confused culture just like ours, and he's going to point them to the path that actually leads to the destination that they really ultimately desire. He's going to point them to the path of knowing the Lord. He's going to explain to them that, hey, peace and purpose, they're only actually found through a relationship with God. And to reach that destination, he's going to point them to find and follow Jesus Christ. 
That's what we see in Acts 17. That's, that's the need of that culture. And honestly, it's the need of our culture today. When Paul was in Athens in Acts 17, starting in verse 16, and, and while he was waiting for uh, some buddies, he was waiting for some people in Athens, his spirit was greatly upset because he saw the city was full of idols. We see right off the bat that as Paul is spending time in Athens, his spirit is literally, when it says greatly upset, it's literally provoked. Like he was, pro- he was uh, <laughs> triggered in, in a sense. Like he was... But a good way, okay? So he's, he's provoked by the pursuit of this culture, by, by the, the, the idolatry that was taking place in his midst. You see, Athens was famous. It was known for its intellectual pursuits, right? When you thought Athens, you thought intellectuals. The same way that in our modern world, you think Paris, you think fashion, right? You think LA, you think movies. When you think of the city of Bryan, just north of us, you know what you should think of? Manny from Modern Family, because that's where he came from. Fun fact, uh, seen here being zany, but hey, he's from Brian, right? This is, this is Athens. Athens is known for its intellectual pursuits. And at this time, what was happening was Athens was the intellectual capital of the world. And their greatest output was idolatry. That's what they were putting out. That's what they were putting out to the world. Uh, there were old sayings back then that there were more statues of gods in Athens than all the rest of Greece put together. And one of the old expressions, in that time, in this culture, in this time of Acts 17, in Athens, it was easier to meet a god than a man. That's what people would say. Because there were so many idols, so many altars, so many little things built up to these created ideas right, of these deities. And so in the middle of that, Paul sees it in his heart breaks. His soul's provoked. He's moved by the needs in his midst. And in that moment he began to then address, right? So he was addressing the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles in the synagogue. He began preaching, right? He was moved to preach in the marketplace. Every day, those who happened to be there. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. And some of them were asking, what does this foolish babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. And they said that this because he was proclaiming the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Paul moves into this culture. His spirit is provoked and begins to preach. And so he's approached He's, he's kind of hitting every possible person. There's the Jews, God-fearing Gentiles, what those were. Those were uh, Gentiles who had come to faith in Yahweh. They, they, they believed in the Jewish God and the Israel's God. His were God-fearing Gentiles. And then he, he began to talk to these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, right? Which those of us who didn't minor in philosophy, like myself, maybe you uh, are, maybe you don't know a lot of Epicureans these days. Uh, you're like, uh... Yeah, no. Uh, and so uh, just to give you a recap, Epicureans, basically, they believed uh, that gods were distant, that they were disconnected. Uh, and if gods existed, uh, they don't, they're not going to know you. And so instead, our life goal is pleasure, right? They said you would find pleasure through the absence of pain, finding peace. In other words, they said, Epicureans said, hey, the destination that you want, the destination in life is peace. Right? That, that was their number one Pitch. It's a destination is peace. And again, maybe you don't know a lot of uh, Epicureans, but you might know my buddy, Drake, uh, who likes to say things like, got so many chains, they call me Chaining Tatum. Mm. Coming through with the dad joke right there, Drake. Thank you so much. But we see guys like Drake giving out these kind of boasts, right? They're saying like, hey, you know what? You know what? You know where I'm headed? You know where I've landed? You know what's so great about me? I've got all these chains, so many chains that they make puns. No one calls him Chaining. Come on. Or my buddy, Jay-Z. Who says that I sell ice in the winter and I sell fell in hot fire in hell? I'm a hustler, baby, and I'll sell water to a well. Oh, snap. 
he <laughs> has arrived, right? If you can sell water to a well, I mean, everyone says that. Or my favorite buddy, Timbaland, who told us that you got to live life to the fullest, drive cars, eat hot food, <laughs> live in a mansion next to Handsome. Which you're like, Handsome? Who's that? Oh, yeah, those guys. Uh, in other words, the early 2000s pop superstars, Hanson, you don't even know who that is. Uh, they're brothers, I promise. Um, but they, they are... They are the ultimate of Tim Land's goal. He said, man, you know, what's, you know what life's all about? You know what you really want? You want people to live in a house next to these kids. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's his pitch, man. And that's what we see in a lot of our pop culture and a lot of our pop music. What we see is this idea that, yeah, you know, your ultimate kind of goal, your ultimate move is you want to go towards uh, achieving this, this peace in your life. You want to have everything lined up the way that you want it lined up. You want to just achieve your ultimate goal, your ultimate happiness. That's what it's all about, right? Those are the, that's an Epicurean thought. It started well before Timbaland, right? Well before, even though he's probably old now. Anyway, whatever. But we see in the Epicureans this push towards pleasure. And at the same time, there were the Stoic philosophers. These are guys who were kind of the antithesis. Uh, they believed in very, many, many, many gods. They were pantheistic. And what they thought was that the universe as a whole was moving towards a purpose. And so your life goal was aligning yourself with that purpose. In other words, the ultimate destination for your life is to be disciplined, right? To have virtue, to align yourself with purpose. In other words, they were, <laughs> they were just all crossfitters, right? Like that's, that's ultimately who the Stoics were. Get it. All right. Nice. You all right? That's it. That's, that's the ultimate goal of life is that you would be disciplined, that you would pursue a purpose, that you would align yourself with certain virtues. And, and man, if you do that, if you discipline your body, you get ready, man, that's, that's the destination in life. And hey, CrossFit's awesome. I'm not ragging on CrossFit. I'm not ragging on Timbaland. But, but these are ideas that are still prevalent in our culture. You can take these things to an extreme and really believe, yeah, I want to be changing Tatum. Like that could be your goal in life. And if so, you're pursuing that Epicurean way of thought. Or maybe you think, man, yeah, if I can just be disciplined, if I could make these grades or have this type of physical fitness, if I could get a braid that long, oh man, that, I mean, come on, that's an awesome braid. And if I can have those things, if I can align myself in that way, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate point of life. We find ourselves believing in these destinations being the source of fulfillment in our life. But what's so tragic is that even in that time, even back then, thousands of years ago, they, were, they knew that it was coming up short, right? In, in Acts 19, they took Paul and they brought him to the Aragop, or, sorry, Aropagus, and they were saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are proclaiming, for you are bringing some surprising things to our ears, so we want to know what they mean. Why did they do that? Well, it's because all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there used to, were used to spending their time in nothing else than telling or listening to something new. They invited Paul to speak because that was what they were all about. They just wanted to hear or tell something new, right? That was, that was all they did. 
they would just spend their time putting up their own podcast or putting up their own vlog or doing their own unpacking YouTube videos. And they would just, they would throw it out into the world. They put up their Facebook posts and then they would just read other people's posts. They would listen to other people's podcasts. They would read other people's blogs. And they were just like, man, this is awesome. They would just, they would have these ideas over and over again. And that's what we do, right? Like that's, that's what we're all about. We love, we love telling or listening to something new. Uh, we are a culture that, that worship, that revolves around just wanting to think and kind of give propositions. And we just, we love kind of being like, oh, uh-huh. Right, like that, that's why uh, one of my favorite products of our modern culture uh, are Reddit shower thoughts, uh, where people will just sit down and they'll be like, you know what? Art is how we decorate space, but music? Is how we decorate time. Mmm. Ooh. What? Really? I guess. Like that's that's the world we live in, where we, we love creating things like this, saying that, oh, USB sounds kinda like a backup in case USA fails. Ooh, what? <laughs> yeah, kinda. I guess five lawn. Like that does that sounds kind of right. Or imagine being completely naked in a room full of people who speak a different language and everyone wants to touch you. That's the life of a dog. Oh, <laughs> tragic yet true. Like that's <laughs> some guy's friend. Like that's, this is the type of thing that we, that resonates with us as a culture. We hear these things like, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Sorry, dogs. Like that's, that's just something that speaks to our souls. And that was true in Athens. They loved telling and hearing things that were new, just new ideas. They loved saying like, huh, yeah, maybe. And so suddenly Paul walks into this moment. All these people that are listening, telling and listening to things that are new. And he knows that they aren't landing on anything, right? He knows that even though they have these destinations in mind, that the paths that they're taking are unfulfilling, that they're not there yet. And that's why in Acts 17, in verse 22, he stood before them and in the Oropagus and he says, men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all respects. Literally right here in the Greek, he's saying you are, you're incredibly devoted in all these areas. For as I went around and I observed closely your objects of worship, this is what I saw. I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship without knowing it, this I proclaim to you. He says, you know what? I can tell that you are so devoted. <coughs> you are a devoted people. You're a religious lot. You love discuss, hearing things, discussing things, thinking about things. You love examining spirituality. He says, and you know what? I even found in your midst this idol that was to an unknown God. Literally what they had done is they had created this sort of just-in-case idol where essentially they had all these idols to all these different gods, all these different things. And they were like, you know what? It's possible that maybe we missed one. Maybe there's one other God that we, just, we don't have a building for or an altar for. And so they would literally construct an altar, then just inscribe on it like, uh, unknown God. Like that's, that's what they said. It was their just in case idol. You see, they were trying to take this path towards peace and satisfaction, fulfillment and stability. They hadn't gotten there, right? They, they were still asking the question. They were still like, man, we have all these idols and it's easier to meet a God than a man in the city of Athens. And yet, you know what? I think maybe just in case we need this one more idol, right? We have this kind of superstitious, like just in case idea. It's why you don't walk across the seal, the A&M seal in coldest, right? Or I hope you know that. Because if you walk across it, you won't graduate. Like it's... I walked across it after I graduated. They took my diploma back. Like, that's just how it goes. 
their superstitions in our midst, right? You don't walk across seals. You don't walk on certain grass. I mean, that's kind of respect, but you know, whatever. Or, or maybe before a test, you go and you put a penny on Sol Ross, right? This is a thing. If you don't know, if you were unaware, this is your first time at campus. Just so you know, before a big test, what you do is you can go to Sol Ross over in Academic Plaza and you put a penny at his feet. Or, as some overachievers would do, uh, they build an entire Aggie ring out of pennies which is amazing, uh, which then I think, well, you know, if you just spent that time studying, uh, maybe you wouldn't be so scared. But it's this sort of just-in-case mentality. It's the way that maybe some of our families approach church. Maybe some of the ways that, that some of us approach church of like, hey, you know, I'm going to go on kind of Easter or Christmas. Or I'm going to go on these certain days. I'm going to go at the start of the semester, maybe the end, just in case, right? Just in case, just kind of cover my bases. So Paul looks at these people and they're just like us. They thought that they had these paths, but yet when they were walking down them, they weren't arriving at that destination of, of peace. They were still uncertain. They still had to have these just-in-case elements in their midst. They had these just-in-case altars. Not only had they failed to reach that destination of peace, but they also failed to find themselves purpose. Right? He says, you are very devoted people, but devoted to what? What did they stand for? They had all these different gods, all these different idols, all these different ideas. They were constantly telling new ideas and hearing new ideas and thinking on new ideas. What were they devoted to? There was nothing lasting. There was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing constant. They had the mentality uh, that some of my roommates had in college towards music, which is basically just like, whatever's now is best. Like, that's just it. Whatever's now is best. And some of you have their room and they just, they're like, you know what, whoever's like at the top of the charts right now, that's my favorite band. Or you know what, whichever person, like whatever girl, whatever guy just like sat next to me and like, you know, bumped me in my classroom, they're the one. Like the whatever's now is best, right? This must be. This is mentality that, hey, you know what, I'm just going to kind of let myself be swept along with the tides of change. My feet are firmly planted in midair, standing on nothing. And we find ourselves caught along with that. We have these kind of pop causes that we've just seen, especially with the rise of social media. How many of you know who Joseph Coney is? Okay, that's not too bad. A smattering. Well, listen, when I was leaving college, Joseph Coney was like the biggest deal in the world. Can we, can we turn these lights down a little bit? Yeah, I know. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, that one. Uh, but uh, Coney 2012, it was this idea that, hey, you know, all we got to do, what, our purpose is we make this guy famous, essentially. He, and he's this evil dude, evil dictator. He was like using child soldiers. They, this was through invisible children. Great cause. But I'll tell you, what was so tragic is they put out this video. It got so huge. It was on every, it was the, kind of the first major thing that people would like change their Facebook profile pictures and stuff for. Um, but at the time that the actual like day rolled around when you're supposed to do, like it just, it, like it, it, it died out in a month. In a month, people completely lost interest. The leader of the cause actually kind of went nuts. Uh, how many of us remember the ice bucket challenge? Right. Okay. That's a few. Uh, yeah, a few more of us. Still not all of us. Uh, but yeah, this was 2014. Only three years ago. It feels like a century. But three years ago, we had the ALS ice bucket challenge. Right. What was it? It was like, okay, yeah, you put a video of yourself and you like put ice water on yourself. And you're like, Tag, Jimmy's got to do it now too. <laughs> Stupid Jimmy. And you would just you would do it. And it was. I mean, again, like good cause. Like ALS is a horrific disease that absolutely money should go. We want to put money towards uh, finding how to combat it and, and cure it. Absolutely. It's a good cause. But I'll tell you, this lasted for like a month 
And then it kind of, it just kind of went away. Like how many, how many of us have like given thought towards ALS in the last few months? Right? Or a couple of years? Or, you know, we just, we, we have a tendency to just get swept away. It was just a year ago. I could not believe this when I saw it online. It was only a year ago that we were in the middle <laughs> of maybe the most powerful cause to sweep our nation since 1776. Uh, <laughs> Pokemon Go, that was a year ago. Doesn't it feel like a lifetime? Like, that was a year ago. That, and then you, you don't lie. Like, every, like everyone had at least just like a few minutes where they were like, well, maybe Pikachu? Nah. What? And they gave up. But it was a year ago. That was when it hit. That was last summer. And, and we find ourselves swept up in these pop causes, kind of moving these directions, swept along with the tides of change, with the people around us. And, and what we do is we find ourselves not really sticking to anything. Paul says, you, you haven't arrived at peace, and you also haven't arrived at purpose. And so in the middle of this confusion, what he brings is clarity. He says, you know, you don't know these things. You are ignorant of these things, but here's the deal. This is what I'm going to proclaim to you. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, who's the Lord of heaven, the Lord of earth, he doesn't live in temples made by human hands. He says, the God that actually made all things, the ultimate, all-seeing, all-powerful God of all of creation, you know what he is? He's too big to live in a temple. He's not going to be contained in your itty-bitty idols. He says, it doesn't work like that. He says, he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Instead, you know what he is? He himself, he gives life. He gives breath. He gives everything to everyone. He says, what you're aiming for, what you're trying to achieve, the God you're trying to appease, he says, you can't serve him with your hands. You can't somehow give him what he needs. He's the provider, right? He's so big, he doesn't fit in creation. You can see signs of him, right? Paul will say that in Romans in particular. He says, there are signs that point to our creator, but you're never going to find him in creation because he's just too big. And you're not actually going to find yourself being able to somehow appease him or please him or, or, or get yourself into right standing through your own work? Why? Because he's the ultimate provider. He gave you life. He gave you breath. He made you. Just that's the truth. That's the reality of our existence. Says this God that you're, you, you're, you're aiming for, he's, man, you're missing it. He says, but here's the thing. You, you're, you're groping around for it. You're, you're trying, right? He says, from one man, he made every nation of the human race to inhabit the entire earth. He created every person from this one man. He was determining their set times, the fixed limits of the places where they would live. So that, why? So that they would search for him. So that they would search for God and perhaps grope around for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. He says, you guys are just sort of, literally the Greek right here, he's saying, you're stumbling in the dark. That's the idea. It's the groping in the dark. It's like when you walk into that dark room, you're like, I know there's a light switch somewhere. Like, and you just, you try to find, and that's what he's saying. You're, you're, you're stumbling around in the dark. And he says, and you're, you're getting close, right? He says, it's so close. He's not that far from you. My fork. Where's, Where's your fork? I don't know. You don't know? Right over there. <laughs> Where's your fork? I don't know. Right there. Right there. I don't know. <coughs> Where's your fork? I don't know. It's right there in your hand. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 
What? My white porch. I see it in your hand. It's in your hand. Right there. Right there. I find them. And misses. All right, yeah. That's, that's what Paul says. He says, you are so close. He says, God's not that far. And you know what he's going to say is that, you know what? Even in your stumbling, even in your groping around, every once in a while, you, you're hitting like right on the idea. He then quotes their philosophers, their poets. He says, for in him we live and we move about and exist. Some of your own poets have said this, for we too are his offspring. Right? He's quoting Drake and Timbaland. It'd be like if, we, <laughs> be like if somehow God spoke to us and said, you know what? You should be chaining Tatum. You'd be like, what? No way. Drake, Dizzy, I don't know what his name is. But we, because he says, you know what? We are God's offspring. We should not think the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human skill and imagination. He says, you're so close. And so what he does is he takes this beautiful thing. He redirects their ideas and their idols towards the Lord. He says, you know what? Your, your path is just, it's so close. And he's just trying to kind of point them just, just slightly to the side. He's taking this entrenched cultural idea and he's bringing truth into the middle of it. He's, he's pointing it to God. How many of us have already been to a midnight yell? Excellent. Okay. Then you know as well as I do. It is the greatest thing you can do in all of College Station. Like Midnight Yell is one of our entrenched cultural ideas. That it's, just, it's just the quintessential Aggie experience, right? Friday night before a game, in case you're unaware, in case you're an incoming freshman, you haven't done this yet, or you're a senior who's just a like 0.5 percenter, it's okay. There's time. There's still time. Every Friday night before a game, we have Midnight Yell where thousands, thousands of Aggies will assemble on the field of battle. And yell leaders will stand up and they're going to tell some story while stomping around, right, about like how, oh, yeah, so Ross, he saw, you know, this week's enemy and they were like sneezing on puppies. He's like, and you don't sneeze on puppies? Like, you don't. Like, they're just, they get fired up and they're like, and you know what? And that's, that's what we're going to do to them, Ags. We're going to punch them in the face or whatever. And so they get you kind of riled up and everyone's like, yeah, 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 I hate, I hate people. Like, I, yeah. If you're not an Aggie, yeah, and, and you're just kind of getting riled up and right in the middle, right in this kind of like ultimate moment where it's just like, yeah, 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 like they're working to a fervor, and the moment they turn all the lights off, and you're like, what? <laughs> and then you just sort of know, like people, maybe someone nudges, and they're like, no, you're supposed to, you're supposed to find someone and just kiss them. You're like, oh, okay, that's sanitary. <laughs> Uh, and normal. And so if you bring a date, you kiss your date. If you don't bring a date, you just bring like a lighter or a phone. You just kind of like, just, I don't know, like go out with a, with a hope and a prayer. Uh, and you just make contact with some random Aggie uh, in the most romantic way possible. Then they turn the lights back on. Uh, you like sing a song and you leave, right? It's normal, right? Like yay normal. Like that's, that's what we're all about. Here in Aggieland, it's this entrenched cultural idea, a thing. Now imagine if at the end of that, if at the end of at the end of yell, at the end of midnight yell, if one of those if one of those yell leaders just got up there and said, "Yeah, you know what? To tell you what, Ags, that's what Jesus did to sin," and then just like shares the gospel, like that would be bizarre. Like hopefully it would come before the kiss thing, and he'd be like, "Don't worry about it," but like that's 
That would, that's what Paul does, right? That's what Paul's doing. Paul's walking into a yell practice. He's walking into a midnight yell, and he is taking this entrenched cultural idea, and he redeems it for Jesus. He presents the gospel at midnight yell. That's what he's doing. We are searching for peace and purpose in our lives, and God has made you with that destination in mind. That's why we have it. Paul's saying you have these desires because God put them there, because he made you, because he gives you life and breath and everything that you have. He says, and so you know what? Here's the deal. Though God has overlooked these times, these past times of ignorance, he now commands all people everywhere to repent. And he's not talking about, when we talk about repentance a lot of times in church, we're talking about repenting from sins, turning away from sin. That's what repentance is, just to sort of turn around. Paul's not talking about that. He hasn't brought up the idea of sin. What is he saying? He says, you need to repent. You need to turn away from just these false paths. He says, you're, you're seeking out to know things and discuss things, and, and you're seeking like this Epicurean way and this Stoic way. This, he says, you got to repent. you got to turn from that. He says, God now is calling you away from that. How do I know that? Because he has set a day on which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he designated, having provided proof to everyone by raising him from the dead. Paul's saying, God has put a destination in your soul and he has provided a path through a designated man. He says he has given you who we know, right? He's already been preaching about Jesus Christ and that's obviously who he's referring to. He's been preaching about Jesus. He's been preaching about the resurrection. That's why they brought him here to talk in the first place. They're like, what's this foolish babbler saying? He says, he's the way, right? He's the truth. He's the life. He says, one day he's going to judge the world in all perfection, in all perfect justice, in righteousness. He, he's, he's the one and the only. Like He says, look, everything has a starting point. He says, in the relationship with the God who made all things, that relationship, the starting point, is the gospel. It's believing in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. That's, that's where Christians begin, right? That's my starting point of faith, of relationship with God. My starting point was recognizing that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live and die and rise again for my sake. I, my starting point with God was where I believed that Jesus Christ died for me so that I might live. I had to believe that he was resurrected from the dead, that he proved himself to be God of the universe, and that if I trust in him, I can be forgiven of my own brokenness and sin and mistakes. And if I believe in him, I can have a relationship with the God of the universe. I can be adopted out of sin and death and into the family of the Lord Most High. That's the starting point for any of us who are believers, who are Christians. We're known by our belief. That's where it begins. The Christian starting point is always Christ. And now we have peace with God. So scripture tells us that we can now have peace with God because of Jesus Christ because of his life, death, and resurrection. Not only that, I can have peace with God. I can have peace with my fellow man. I can have purpose in this world in helping other people find and follow Jesus. That's my purpose. That's your purpose. If you trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you have peace with God and you have a purpose to help others find and follow Jesus. Something that's so huge, a purpose that's so powerful, something that we're talking about more next week when hopefully the rains subside and we don't have to build an ark. That's... That's the goal. And when Paul presents this information to the people of Athens, they heard about it, 
right? When they heard about him talking about this resurrection, this proof, right? Because he's saying, hey, you know what? You find yourselves uncertain. He says, I have proof. And Paul didn't have like the gospels read. The gospels weren't even written at this time. Instead, Paul was saying, you know what? I've talked to these guys. I know Peter. I know James, the brother of Jesus. I know John. I know these different guys who knew Christ. Christ appeared to me and showed me his power, his, his legitimacy as the son of God. He says, so that's the proof, right? That's the proof that God has given us, this resurrection of the person of Jesus Christ. And yet when some people heard about him talk about that resurrection of the dead, someone began to scoff. <laughs> they said, <laughs> that's how I scoff. Uh, others, they said, well, we'll, we'll hear you about this again, right? That's that shower thought response. That was just sort of like, huh. And so Paul left the Europagus. But some people... They joined him and they believed. And the reality is that's how we respond to the gospel. That's, that's how anyone can respond to the gospel. You, you can reject it. You can be just curious about it or you can believe it. That's it. Those are the three possible responses. And, and my encouragement to you is that if you are still in process, if you still find yourself scoffing, man, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. And I would love to talk with you more. If you find yourself maybe still like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm so glad you're here. We are here to meet with you. And if that's you, if you're still in process of determining what you believe about, about God, about Jesus, and I know, I know that some of us are there. I know that's where some of us are right now. I, I want you to text us. I want you to put this number in your phone, and I want you to text us. I want you to let us know. Maybe just give us your name and your year just and, and, and tell us, like, hey, I'm, I'd love to talk more. I, I have questions about this. I'm still, I'm curious. Text us. Or maybe some of us, we say, you know what? Actually, I, I believe. I believe this summer. I believe last week. I believed at Impact. I, I believed at home in, in my room when I just sort of had this encounter with the Lord. Some of us are maybe walking into this year, walking into this semester with this brand new faith, this brand new relief. We're still at the starting point. If that's the case, text us. Tell us your name. Tell us your year. Tell us, hey, I'm just, I'm really new to this and I would love to talk more. I I would love to follow up with you. We would love to follow up with you as a ministry. If you maybe are saying, you know what, I I believe and I've been walking and and I'm just kind of interested in how God can use me. I'm, I'm interested to see where that heads. This is my invitation to you. You should text us. You should let us know, like, hey, I'm looking to serve. I'm getting to plug. I'm looking to get plugged into community. But, but I'll tell you, if you are wanting to take the next step towards a life that is centered on helping others find and follow Jesus, if you want to join us in that mission, you should join us at Fall Launch. It's this Thursday. Rain or shine, Fall Launch this Thursday, 7 p.m. at our Southwood campus. That's the first step towards community. It's the first step towards peace and purpose with Grace Bible Church. That's what we're about. Fall launch this Thursday, 7 p.m. We would love for you to join us in that. If you're saying, man, I want to help people find and follow Jesus, come to fall launch. Step into an eternal community that wants to urge you on, encourage you, hold you accountable, move you forward in this pursuit of knowing God and of making him known, of walking in relationship with Jesus Christ and helping others find and follow him as well. So let's go to the Lord right now and thank him for this day. God, we, we do, we thank you that you've given us this weird, weird day. Lord, this, this strange set of circumstances. And, and Lord, we, we confess that there's a lot of times where maybe we're, uh, we're thrown off by the circumstances of this world. Lord, there's, there's things that can happen. There's storms that can hit. There's flooding in our kitchens. Uh, and Lord, it's just, it can really throw us. It, it can really make us uncertain about 
uh, what tomorrow's going to bring, Lord, if classes are going to happen, Lord, if we should even go if they do. Lord, we, we've, got, we've got questions, we've got concerns, Lord, we've got anxieties. Lord, we, we have so many things spinning around when, when circumstances go awry, but Lord, we can know and trust that you're good. Lord, we, we sang that because we believe it, that you're good and you're faithful and, and you're not going to let us down. Lord, that you've promised us in your word that you're working all things for the good of those who love you. Lord, we, we believe that. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would help us be people that walk in that regularly. Lord, we all will have a tendency to fall away from that belief, Lord, to to lose sight of that hope. So, God, we just ask that you would use today in the midst of a literal storm to show us that you have the destination of peace. You provide the purpose that we need, the longings of our soul. If you would, take a moment right now and just pray to God. Say, God, uh, I'm, I'm... I'm wanting to find that peace. Lord, I'm wanting to find that purpose. And maybe you confess, God, I'm, I'm seeking it out in these weird ways with this other person or with this other pursuit or with this position or this idea. Confess, Lord, God, I'm, I'm seeking after that fulfillment in, along different pathways. And then pray and ask him, say, God, but I'd ask you to bring me back. Lord, whether it's through time that I just sort of spend with you to be realigned, whether it's time I spend maybe just talking with a friend, who, who can keep me on the path, who can keep my sights set on you. Maybe it's, God, you, you need to move my feet, rain or shine, to come to fall launch on Thursday, to get plugged into community that loves you. Say, God, I, I don't know maybe what that step is, but Lord, raise to my mind. Lord, what is my next step? Lord, where do I go next? How do I become a person who hasn't only been found by you, but a person who follows you. Lord, someone who helps others find and follow you as well. Pray those things to the Lord right now.